Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, we are in episode two of our Freely Disagree sermon series, and I've got a question for y'all. What what have you been reading lately? I imagine that many of you are, are avid readers. I happen to be an avid reader every week. I send the staff and our leadership board team a, a list of the things that I happen to be reading. So whether you're online in the chat, you want to pop in the chat what you've been reading lately. Anybody reading some good books you want to tell us about? Anybody? You want to say it out loud? You've been reading the Bible. We're going to talk about that. In a great, that is a great book. That's perfect. You knew the right answer. <laughs> no, it's great. Other things you've been reading? Someone said something. The word matters to God. Yeah. Why men hate going to church? Okay. That's an interesting book and an interesting title. Yeah. Wonder. Yeah, that's a great book. Anybody else? Traveler's Prayer. Prayer. Talking to Strangers, strangers, Malcolm Gladwell, big fan. (laughs) Back here. Half finished. That's nice. Oh, I love that. Half finished. Yeah. So I always tend to read multiple books at a time. Right now I'm reading a book called Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. I happen to be reading uh, Tempered Resilience, which is by Todd Balsinger, who happened to write um, Canoeing the Mountains, which our leadership board is reading through together as well. And right now I just finished a book that really has shaped this sermon series called The Church of Us Versus Them. It's by a guy named David Fitch. And I want to encourage you to get your hands on a copy of this, Uh, whether you read books like hardback like this or like me, a lot of times I'm just listening to books as I'm driving or running or walking or whatever I'm doing. So I want to encourage you to pick up this book because it really has been shaping the way I've been thinking about this Freely Disagree series. I love that you guys love to read books. And today we are talking, like you said, about the best-selling book in history, which is the Bible. Do you realize that the Bible has sold nearly 5 billion copies? That we have more uh, transcripts of the Bible in its original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic uh, than any other document in human history. No matter how skeptical you might be of the Bible, that the Bible really does shape the way that we think about and live as followers of Jesus Christ. And today I'm operating out of the assumption that even if you are a little bit skeptical, you are very serious about the Bible. That you want to know more about this book that we call God's Holy Word. Now, I'm going to challenge all of us today when it comes to approaching the Bible to stay curious. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, stay curious. Yeah. So my, uh, my youngest daughter, Sarah, has this pesky little habit of just like exploring nearly everything she can get her hands on. So like, for example, Terrence, if she comes over to your house, she's going to open up your drawers. It just happens every time. And I, she, every time I see her, I say, Sarah, 
And she looks at me and she says, but mommy, I'm curious. I'm just curious. Well, she knows what that's going to do to me. Every time I look at little Sarah and I say, well, Sarah, stay curious. Because I want her to maintain that childlike on wonder. I don't want her to get in your drawers, but I want her to maintain that childlike on wonder, right? I want her to stay curious. And brothers and sisters, I believe that we've got to have that childlike awe and wonder when it comes to reading the Bible. To open our hearts, our minds, and our whole bodies to what God wants to say to us. To stay curious. I mean, think about it. When folks are freely disagreeing, particularly in church circles, a lot of times the Bible is at the center of the controversy. I mean, we've gotten a lot of interpretations and paraphrases and translations and embellishment and tricky characters and language barriers. Culture wars, sermon bores. Come on, brothers and sisters. There's a lot of sticky widgets in this book. And a lot of times we approach this book, well, we don't exactly know what we're doing. Some of us are afraid to actually read the Bible in a modern translation. Well, maybe because that's, the way we were taught, or grandma said it was so. Sometimes we don't want to see the lenker franca of our day, the, the modern language of our day. But, but brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. The God of the universe was born at a particular time in a particular people. And so we've got to approach the Bible Insiders and outsiders alike with a holy curiosity. Jesus loves me, this I know. For what? The Bible tells us so. We need the Bible. In fact, we need an anchor. Say that with me. We need an anchor. We need an anchor that guides and directs us, that helps us in the midst of sometimes the chaos that we find ourselves in. I mean, sometimes in the culture, it seems like nothing is true. Ever, what is actually real? And I believe that the Bible helps us understand the truth about who our God is and who we are as God's people. We need this as an anchor. Now, when I was growing up, my mom used to read Bible stories to my brother, sister, and I. These little Bible storybooks called, I think it was Uncle Arthur's Bible Stories. Anybody else see? Yeah, some of you saw this, right, growing up as a kid. And so my mom would always read these, and I'd just sat on her lap, and I loved hearing the stories from the Bible. And, but then she'd get to the stories about Jesus. She'd get a little teary. And she'd say, Rachel, I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was 17 years old. I felt called to be a missionary, but I guess it wasn't just meant to be so, and she'd trail off. A sidebar here, brothers and sisters. Every single one of us have the ability to be on mission for Jesus. All of us. You know, sometimes we live under this assumption that we got to go someplace else to serve Jesus, but the reality is, if we can't be good neighbors in our own neighborhood, why on earth? would we go halfway across the globe and think we could do it there? With language barriers, cultural barriers? No, we gotta be the people that God's calling us to be right where we are located first and foremost. Doesn't mean that we don't go into other places and spaces. It just means that like, 
we got to allow God to use us where we are. And so when I look at my mom and dad and what they're doing in their own neighborhoods, I'm like, mom, you're on mission for Jesus. Now back, you know, I didn't tell her that at the time, right? You can imagine the kind of child that I was. (laughs) So back to the point. Those Bible stories that I learned as a child shaped my understanding of who I was, who God was, who Jesus was. I knew that when my mom had tears in her eyes, that she was serious about this Jesus character, that he had laid a claim on her life and she was different because of who Jesus was. We need an anchor. Now, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, this new generation needs to hear these stories from the Bible to shape their understanding of who they are and whose they are. But sometimes we adult types are a little afraid. We're scared because we're not sure we got it right. Well, pastor, what what if I don't have the right answers? What if I don't really know what's in the Bible? What if I don't read it right? We get a little funky. And, And there are some of you who are real confident about your ability to read scripture. Except you say things like, well, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Is that in the Bible? No. Anybody know who said that? That's right. Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin said that in his almanac written in 1757. So so what does the Bible actually say? Well, Exodus 22 21 through 27, it says, do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner for you are foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless because if you do, they will cry out to me and I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Woo! Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat them, treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset because that cloak is only a covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, I am compassionate. God helps those who help themselves, right? No, no. And yet today, I I wanna invite you to open up your Bibles and your Bible apps and we're gonna turn to the New Testament book of Matthew. One of the very first books of the Bible, very first books of the Bible. Here in uh, Matthew chapter five, Jesus is talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And it's real interesting. Jesus is constantly flipping the script, asking us to stay curious when it comes to God and God's word. We're looking at Matthew chapter five, beginning with verse 17. Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, Jesus, that is a lot. I mean, for those people in the first century hearing that, they would have been like, wait a second, Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law are the super religious and the rest of us, well, not so much. 
What do you mean? Not a letter of the law and the prophets. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to see right here, when Jesus is talking about the law and the prophets, he's not talking about this Bible that we have right here, right? You understand that, right? The law and the prophets are part of the Old Testament. And when I say Old Testament, I'm not saying that the Testament is old as though it's not relevant. It's just a little more seasoned than the New Testament. Do you see what I mean by that? I mean, the Old Testament is made up of the five books of Moses or the Torah, uh, the prophets and the wisdom writings. All of those compiled together to make up 39 books of the Old Testament, what our Jewish brothers and sisters call the Hebrew scriptures. And then add those to the 27 books of the New Testament and you get a whopping how many? 66. 66 books, at least in the Bible, that you and I hold it and recognize that this Bible was written by about 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 years of history, different eras of history, basically cropped up around the Mediterranean world. And what we have in our hands or on our phones really wasn't comprised into what we call a canon or the official list until 325 A.D., and the Council of Nicaea. I want you to think about that. 325 years after Jesus' birth, approximately 200 years after the pinning of the last gospel, the official list of the Bible is put together. Uh, now, I've been doing a bunch of research. In fact, Mr. Billups and I have been doing a bunch of research. Uh, I wanted something real cool. Like, I wanted my DNA checked when I, for my birthday. I know, super nerd. Anyhow, Right? <laughs> And so I discovered that I am way more Scottish-Irish than I ever imagined. 36% of my DNA is Scottish-Irish. My last name, uh, my maiden name is Fast, and so I expected to be a bit more German. Nope, Scottish-Irish, way more Scottish-Irish, and of course, very English as well. And so it's very interesting to me. I've been looking at my family history, and most of my ancestors migrated to the United States in the early 1700s and mid-1700s. I mean, I've been here, my family has been here for a long time. That's about 325 years ago. 1700? How much has changed in the last 325 years? We're talking like 13 British colonies, chattel slavery, pre-revolution. A lot has changed. 325 years from the birth of Jesus to the first like official canon list of the Bible? And brothers and sisters, I know some of, for some of us, that messes with us a little bit. Suddenly we're like, wait a second, pastor, there's not like an original script somewhere in a museum? Nope. All kinds of fragments of scriptures compiled through centuries. And many of this, I mean, that council in 325, there was a lot of freely disagree. Like in the second century, there was a guy named Marcion who didn't like the Old Testament. In fact, he advocated for throwing it out. He thought the God of the Old Testament wasn't the same God as the New Testament. Now, I imagine there are some of you, when you approach reading the Old Testament, you're like, I can feel that. Except he was called a heretic. <laughs> because... The story of the Old Testament is our story. It's the whole narrative of how God is like expressing God's self to God's people. The whole part matters. It all matters. So 
So brothers and sisters, how, how do we approach the Bible in such a way that it makes sense to us, that, that we can actually like get our hands and feet and head and lives engaged in this holy word? Well, brothers and sisters, I think it means we gotta be open to God messing with our point of view, messing with those Bible stories that we learned, some of us as children, I think we gotta be open to having our lens smashed. Several years ago, in fact, I was getting, making preparations for John and I to get married. This was like 20 plus years ago. And I happened to be driving through the little town of Circleville, Ohio. Anybody ever been to Circleville, Ohio? Yeah? So I was driving through this little town and I noticed this guy dressed in first century garb carrying a huge wooden cross with a wheel on it, looking like Jesus. And you know what I said to myself? I need to talk to that guy, right? (laughs) And so I park the car and I go over and I start talking to this gentleman and I have a billion questions for him. Like, what are you doing? Where have you been? Is this what you do for a living? Oh my goodness, you are absolutely fascinating. And I'm, you know, he was soaking it up. Like he was telling me all the things and I am sure, 100% sure I asked him. Now, if you're traveling from town to town, how do you make a living? Like, do you just like depend on the hospitality of people in that town or, or do you have something else? Well, they had an entire like 501c3 that they were working through and all that. He and his entire family, they are all these traveling evangelists. It was absolutely awesome. And as we were talking, like you could just feel the power of the Holy Spirit erupting. We were having church right there on the sidewalk in Circleville, Ohio. It was awesome. Until... He asked me, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm studying to be a pastor. In fact, I was preaching for my pastor of my home church that entire month. And his countenance fell. He said, pastor, you can't be a pastor. The Bible tells you so. And he pulled out this electronic Bible from his robe. Now, brothers and sisters, I wasn't expecting that, right? Here's first century Jesus impostinator, like taking out the electronic Bible from his robe. And he starts quoting me scriptures where, you know, women be silent, except he's quoting me the scriptures in the King James version of the Bible. Now I am thoroughly confused. First century Jesus, electronic Bible and King James version of the Bible. And I look at him and I'm like, don't you read from a more modern translation? He's like, absolutely not. This is the only translation of the Bible. I said, come again? Tell me, tell, tell me what you mean by that. And he's like, no, no, this is what Jesus would have read. And I was like, you realize that that book was commissioned in 1611 by King Jimmy himself. And that he wasn't exactly the most moral and upstanding king on the universe. Like in the universe, I mean, you realize that a lot has happened between now and then, that we've experienced some amazing discoveries in biblical scholarship, Like in 1947, we discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls and that's kind of revolutionized everything. Did you know any of this? And he looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language. He said, no. The King James Version of the Bible is the Bible. If the King James Version of the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. End of conversation. And he walked away. I was like, what just happened here? Here we were, fellowshipping, having church on the sidewalk. 
you know, high-fiving Jesus together, and we got to the weeds of which Bible translation we're going to use, and that's what's going to break up the conversation? By the way, do you know what the best version of the Bible is? The one you'll actually read. Thank you very much, right? (laughs) It's the best version of the Bible. Why is it that sometimes when we encounter information that like smashes the glasses that we've worn our whole lives when it comes to approaching the Bible, that we are quick to be like, nope, thanks, but no thanks. I mean, I think about some of the things that I learned when I was in seminary in Bible school. Do you realize like the story of Jonah and the whale is not about Jonah and the whale? That it's about God and God's compassion for a people. It really is all about grace. But I wouldn't have known that if I would have clung to my kid version of the story. Brothers and sisters, sometimes we encounter information that messes with us in a great way. It's called cognitive dissonance. And we have an opportunity to either ignore all of that, double down on what we've always believed, or say, wait a second, Lord, do you have something to teach me in this moment? Is there something that you want to teach me about your holy word? Because brothers and sisters, I believe that we've got to take the Bible very, very seriously. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus is inviting us to do here in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is giving us a new way of looking at Scripture. In fact, Jesus is the interpretation. Say that with me. Jesus is the interpretation. He becomes the lens by which we look at the Scripture. As we go on from chapter five, Jesus will say over and over and over again, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said in scripture, but I say. You've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I tell you, don't be angry. Well, that's in Exodus chapter 20. This is one of the 10 commandments. Or you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Again, another 10 commandment. But I tell you, do not look at a woman with lust. Jesus went on to talk about divorce and oaths and revenge and love for your enemy all very hard conversations. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Jesus in the scripture is inviting us in a whole new way of looking at the law and the prophets. Jesus is making himself like the lens, the glasses by which we put on and we look at the whole of the Bible. He's giving us a whole new way to love God, a whole new way to be human. You know, there are moments in our lives where we like read the Old Testament and we're like, oh my goodness, Jesus, I don't know what you're saying here. Help me understand. And I want to encourage you every time to go back to Jesus. And what did Jesus say was the most important thing to remember about all of God's commandments? Well, he quotes Deuteronomy 6, what's known as the Shema. In Mark chapter 12, 29, he says, the most important one Jesus answered is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your what? And all your, and all your, and all your, your whole being. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as your. There's no greater commandment than these. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Super easy to say. Super hard to live. 
Can I get an amen? Amen. And so every day we are living out this loving God and loving self and loving neighbor in the midst of a culture that freely disagrees. I mean, it's not easy to do that, is it? But we don't want easy, we want Jesus. We wanna be the kind of people that are characterized by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's who we wanna be. We want Jesus to be the lens, to be our interpreter. We wanna live our lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's who we're called to be. So here's the invitation today. Stay curious. Now, that does not mean you're coming over to my kitchen and you're going through my drawers. That's not what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is to have a holy curiosity when it comes to reading God's word. To approach the Bible with this all in wonder. Whether sometimes you get frustrated and you're like, I don't even know what this says, or you've been reading it for 40 years and you think you got everything figured out. To be open, heart, mind, soul, and strength to the movement of the Holy Spirit. So the first thing I want you to do is to actually read the daggone thing, right? Read the Bible. We have given you transformation journals. Maybe you picked this up last week. Every single day we have an opportunity to read scripture. Now, sometimes it's just like one verse, and if you want to read the entire chapter, go for it. Read the Bible. Actually read it. And then listen. When you say yes to Jesus, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Spirit is our advocate and our guide. The Spirit is our instructor. God will teach you what God wants you to know as you listen for God's voice through the word in your life. It happens. It's not like a gift that only some people get. When you say yes to Jesus and you open yourself up, God will speak to you. And then learn. That means you, you, you'll actually like go to commentaries, get on the internet. Now, brothers and sisters, now everything on the internet is true. Come on. And you'll have to use some discernment. And you might run across things that really mess with you. So just keep turning that scripture and saying, Lord, is this really what it says? Help me understand. And what's great, when you're in a life group, like Dan said, you're not reading it in isolation. You're reading it with other people. Learn. And then, brothers and sisters, wrestle. They're just take it at face value. Dig and dig a little deeper. Wrestle with Scripture. Keep turning it like a diamond. Do you know how often I open up the Bible? And I'm, I've been studying the Bible for like 20 years. And yet... When I read a text, I'm like, I've never seen that before. Where has that been my whole life? It's amazing how God's word can just come to life. And finally, and this is really important, apply it. Sometimes we read the Bible and all we get is information and that is not enough. We read the Bible not for information, but for transformation. We've actually got to take what God is telling us and apply it to our daily lives so that we can follow Jesus, so that we can be genuine Jesus followers. Now, friends, I am operating under the assumption that nobody has the monopoly on the Holy Spirit. 
That every time we approach God's word, that God will speak to us. And that we learn about God's word in faithful community to one another. Hey, nobody's got this fo- fully figured out. So here's what I want us to do today. I want everybody to stand up. We're gonna open our hands up and we're gonna pray that God would use the Bible to transform our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there are moments in our lives where we approach your word and we are just plain confused. But we believe that God, as we stay open, as we stay curious, that you're gonna speak, that you're gonna move, that Lord God, you're going to shape our understanding of who we are and whose we are by what we're reading every single day. God, for those of us with influence over new generations, help us to be consistent and faithful God, give us the tools in our toolbox to approach the scripture with grace and mercy and love. God, help us to hold on to our convictions and hold one another with mercy. We pray this and we claim this in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen and amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.